is good, my peoples, your boys. The Green Beige Podcast is back after we took a a much needed break over the summer. We are back in the saddle, and we are so happy to be here with you guys. Now, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is the Green Beige Podcast. Um, Hopefully, you guys are seeing us. We are on three platforms all at the same time. We are on YouTube, we are on Twitter, and we are on Facebook Live. Now, AJ, how are you doing, my brother? I'm well, sir. Just waiting for this heat to be over. You know, my usual complaint is just the weather, but other than that, I'm well. (laughs) No, I don't understand how you're saying that you're waiting for the heat to be over. But then again, you are down there in in, in hot Texas. Yeah, so exactly. It's exactly. more hotter down there for you than it is for me up here. Exactly. I had a couple of days of rain and I, I am here celebrating. Okay, understood. Understood. Now, I, this week, well, today, is our first episode back after a nice summer break and some much needed r and r now i had an opportunity thankfully to to see home i have not seen home you know since before covid but it was good to touch down in barbados this summer what have you been up to yeah well well, for for the first first time time since 2019 um i was able to see home as well Kim and I went back for a couple weeks. Um, it was a, it was a nice little getaway to be able to just you know elude work for a little bit, and so it was it was much needed. Head back to the islands. Oh yeah, definitely. But of course, we are very happy to be back home, and we are very happy to be back with you again here on the Green British Podcast. Now. As I mentioned before, Green Bridge is back and better than ever, coming to you live and direct. We will be coming to you every Tuesday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 9.30 p.m. Central, 8.30 p.m. Mountain, or 7.30 p.m. on the Pacific, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitter. Please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our channel so that you'll be notified every time we are live. New places, new times, but the same good time with Green Beach. So you know how we have been doing it now for more than a year. We always go off the rip to get started. And AJ, well, I mean, we haven't been around during the summer. So we need to talk about some of the things that happened while we were not here. Yeah. And off the rip this week, we're going to start with Deshaun Watson, who, if you haven't heard, he's gotten his sentence. The sentence was appealed and then agreed upon for the length of his suspension. Now, originally, Judge Sue Robinson recommended that he be suspended for six games. But the NFL was not satisfied with that and appealed to themselves and finally agreed to an 11-game suspension with a $5 million fine. Now, the first question we have this week, is that enough? I don't think so. Uh, I think it should have been a season-long ban. Um, and I don't want to compare it to like other situations because there's the, there wasn't any precedent set for this, but obviously we've seen like on social media people comparing... Um, this situation to well well the length of his initial ban to uh, um uh, other players being banned for like peds and stuff and um that's a, it's an unfair comparison because the the there was an intermediary in this case who passed on a judgment and then as you said the nfl um interceded and you know lengthened his ban and the thing is it could actually um his ban could actually still be increased. Um, yeah, because it's it's based on like the recommendations that will be made by the expert with whom he'll have to have his um, professional development and treatment plan. Uh, but in in this case, based on how this entire thing unfolded, I I 
it should be a season, at least for me. I I, I completely agree. And um, yeah, I, sorry, I agree, Justin. And yeah, I, I, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could happen at this point. All right. So I posted a video on Instagram earlier, I think last week. I think it was last week I had done it. In which I had mentioned that um, the the whole thing about this situation, as you said, it is kind of unprecedented because this is just a mess. It, it was a mess from the beginning and it was only going to get worse. So Deshaun Watson apparently was willing to take any suspension that was not for an entire season. He was going to accept anything less than that and you know the way how his um his um case is being handled it was a situation where the um one second i recognize we have a bit of an echo uh is it still there okay yes so with how this situation went down mm -hmm. we had 24 accusers of Deshaun but even with 24 accusers we didn't have the smoking gun we didn't have anything that we could you know pinpoint and say that this is what he did because right now it's a lot of he said she said mm -hmm. we had him being called before the grand jury who declined to prosecute that yeah. isn't also that is an issue and that is a feather in his cap and then as i may mention in the video there's also the situation that unfortunately you have to phrase it this way your owner robert Kraft, found himself in in 2019 yeah where he was caught in a sting supposedly allegedly soliciting a happy ending from a massage parlor in Florida. Mm -hmm. No, they had come Oh, the NFL had come out and said before that there was a higher standard to be held on the owners compared to the players. But whereas Kraft was indicted, and then charges were dropped. No charges have been laid against Deshaun Watson, yet still nothing happened to Kraft, but Watson is being suspended. Mm -hmm. It was rumored that if they had tried to put the hammer on Deshaun Watson and suspend him for a year, this was one of the things that his attorneys were going to bring up. So interesting. Yeah. So by their standard, they found that he had um sexually assaulted four women mm -hmm. it is out of the 24 complaints but this is by their standard not the legal standard mm -hmm. we don't know what their standard looks like so as a result they really couldn't do much where where Deshaun was concerned they have this new pro process where it's going to judge Sue Robinson she made the initial recommendation of mm -hmm. six games Deshaun was very happy with six games and the NFL Players Association were also happy with six games, but then it came back where the NFL appealed to itself. There are lots of things, there are lots of layers. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, but I mean, we talked a lot about Deshaun and I'm sure that there's going to be an opportunity to talk about him later on. So let us move on. Now, secondly, this is one that is definitely much more recent compared to the uh, Deshaun Watson situation, and that is with regards to the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. Now, when we went off air, um, Baker Mayfield was still a Brown. <laughs> Sam Darnold was penciled in as the starting quarterback of the Panthers, mm -hmm. and Mayfield was sulking because of the same gentleman we just spoke about, Deshaun Watson. He was brought in as his replacement. Now, during mm -hmm. our break, Carolina has decided to trade for Baker and has since announced that he is going to be their week one starter. Is this a good move? 
Yeah, of course it's a good movie. So I, I don't know why there's still this echo. Um, yeah, is, I mean, is anyone really surprised though? They, as in Carolina, they never committed to Sam Darnold. Um, they brought him in, and one year later, brought in competition. I mean, honestly, from the time they acquired Baker, there was never any doubt in my mind that that the starting quarterback job was his. Um, that being said, though, I will admit it is time for my boy Baker to put up or shut up. I didn't. There's no more excuses at this point. Um, it has to happen. Um, clearly, he was a pick of the of the Panthers' litter. The fact that he was named the starter at this point in time in the preseason, uh, when just a few weeks ago we were hearing that there was supposed to be like a, a quarterback duel for the starting spot, I was all smoking mirrors. It was always going to be Baker's. Um, it was always going to be Baker's battle to win, essentially, and I think he is going to make the Panthers better than than last year in terms of his quarterback play. So I think it is a good move. Um, he will have Christian McCaffrey back, and from all from all reports that I've been seeing so far, it seems as if McCaffrey is like back to full health. So that will definitely be a plus for Baker, and. To be honest, though, the only thing I worry about is that whether is is whether Baker or not, whether or not I should say Baker will suffer the same fate as his predecessors who have all been under Matt Rule. I just end up like a QP casualty, you know. Because and the truth is, if anyone should believe in this organization, it should be Matt Rule. If Matt Rule outlasts another QB on this team, then we should just be sending Carolina to purgatory. Honestly. <laughs> So it's interesting that you you talk about Matt Rule because that is exactly where I was going. Hmm. It's an expected move by a desperate head coach. Matt Rule, he has not been good in his time in Carolina, and he knew that Sam would earn him the can. So he did what would be expected. He got another quarterback. He tried for Deshaun Watson and failed to land him. So the options were between Baker and the dude that we're going to talk about next, both coming off of surgeries. He seems to be more comfortable with Baker, mm -hmm. but we we have to admit that Baker does not put them in playoff contention. Not even close. I mean, I didn't say that. I just said they'll be better. <laughs> but as you said, though, it is time for, for Baker to put up or shut up. Now, the other guy that I made mention of just now, that um, he was potentially the other option, is one Jimmy Garoppolo. Call this the Jimmy G conundrum. Jimmy G is still a 49er. And after having surgery on his throwing shoulder, he was not expected to be able to throw a ball for months which obviously did nothing good for his trade value. The 49ers very early in the dance said that Trey Lance was going to be their quarterback going forward, which put Jimmy in a very uncomfortable position. Now he's healthy enough to throw, and the 49ers are saying they're comfortable keeping him on the roster, which is their attempt to drive the price back up for any team hunting a bargain. So what happens with Jimmy? The thing is, right now, no one wants to give up anything near substantial for Jimmy. <laughs> um, I mean, I won't be surprised if we see like an 11th hour trade for Jimmy, right? But at the same time, I, it, I, I, I find it highly unlikely that they would do that because Shanahan did say that, as you said, it's possible that he keeps Jimmy as backup. And I do not doubt that he'll do that. It, it does seem feasible to keep him in the roster. Um, seeing as the other two quarterback options in the team are second year Trey Lance and then a rookie so it it, it would i mean just just from a, the the point of of like having some experience in the qb room it makes sense to keep him and you can look at the difference between it, it from the from the monetary side of it you can look at the difference between his cap hit and the dead cap hit and the fact that he'll save a hell of a lot if he's not on the roster um, and if they would have cut him for this his final season because he would be an undrafted, un, unrestricted free agent next next year. 
But with him on the roster, they were still able to like resign and give Debo Samuel a, 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 his the contract that, that oh, well that he wanted clearly, or that he agreed to he, um, either way. So clearly, Jimmy's cap hit for this season, which is near twenty-seven mil, isn't like a huge bother to them at this point. So um, I think it's more likely that he will stay, especially with what the 49ers are looking to achieve this season. Uh, so, I mean, depending on how the season progresses, you never know. Jimmy could end up, he could find himself on a waiver wire, but I would be really surprised to, to see him, like, cut from this team before the season is up. And it, it would it would really have to be a, a, a bid where San Francisco can't get something um, good enough back for them to actually give up on him. Because, as I said, like, there's not much experience in that QB room. Fair enough. No, the thing is, for me, Jimmy's just stuck. No, it's a good thing that his salary is $26.5 million because he'll be taking an extended vacation this fall and winter, barring injury. The 49ers are hoping that a team loses their starter to a major injury that gets Jimmy back on somebody's radar. But as it stands right now, Jimmy is the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. Jimmy is just going to be sitting there in Santa Clara, in the Fortnite's organization, and holding a clipboard every week with a baseball cap on, as far as they are concerned. Because, as you said, no one is trading for Jimmy with that salary. If you're going to be taking Jimmy, the Fortnite's are going to have to eat some of that money. Mm-hmm. They're claiming that they're good with keeping him, so the league has called their bluff. If you're good with keeping him, then keep him. He will just stay there and whatever distraction he may be for your organization, then that is what you will have to deal with. It is just that simple. Yeah, I think he will have to stay. Yeah, so that was Jimmy. And now, this is something, AJ, that I don't know if it has bothered you, but it's definitely bothered me. And this is these um, joint practices that these teams have in preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you, the question is here on the screen. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, why are they a thing? Why are they a thing? Somewhere along the line, someone decided that it would be a good idea for teams who are busy getting themselves into playing shape for the new season will be best served doing that against live opposition. But when you put grown men in the hot sun and tell them to go smash the hell out of each other, tempers can fray, and that leads to fights. Adrian, did you know that NBC Sports has a whole page set up for tracking training camp fights? I did not. There you go. That shows you how commonplace these things are. And while the 49ers have Brandon Ayuk, their wide receiver, and starting linebacker Fred Warner scrapping. Or many scenes, they had Trevor Penning get tossed out of practice after fighting on three consecutive days. Or we had Josh Allen fighting his defensive tackle, Jordan Phillips, both of them from the Bills. This is one thing when we have inter-team or in-team fighting. You know, these are in-team fights. But now we got inter-team fisticuffs, where you have the Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. You have the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers on back-to-back days, which has now also resulted in injuries to players as well as to a fan. Should we we scrap these joint preseason practices? Well, based on your introduction to the subject, I'm, I can guess where your um, thoughts lie. But I, I have no problem with them still. I think they should continue, even amidst all this fighting. I have no issue with them. I, it, it, it happens. Grown men will fight. I think, as you mentioned, it's not two teams. There will be like in team fight. Like they, it. If it's not like in a joint session, it'll be teammates in the team solo session. It will happen. I think it just fosters 
like a little bit of rivalry and, and, and a competitive edge. Because, I mean, you mentioned it already, though. Like, we're talking about grown men who they're playing the, the most dangerous contact sport in the world. And these men have to impress these coaches and GMs to make sure at the end of the day that they're on this 53-man roster when the season begins. I mean, of course, something's going to go awry at some point. And, and tempers will flare. I mean, it's like having a, a male sibling. As, 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 as a male, it's like having a male sibling. Like squabbles are never there. I, I still think that the bad always is good when it comes to them. I, I believe that it, it's still, like I said, it helps foster like a little bit of competitive edge going into the season. I mean, yes, you have the preseason games, but um, for me, the joint practices are a very good precursor to that. And I still have no problem with it. I mean, I, I don't think that will solve the issue of fighting in training sessions. So I have no, I have no problem with them continuing. Okay, sir. No. As you guess, you guessed correctly from my intro into this topic, right? Because I believe that these joint practice sessions need to stop. This is. This is nonsense, in the short. Yeah. It, is, it is foolishness. So I have a number of thoughts on this one, right? The first one is, as you may mention just now, in closing your point, mm -hmm. these men are trying to make the 53-man roster, right? Mm -hmm. Going into training camp, going into these sessions, you pretty much have an idea about at least 40 positions on yeah, your team. Yeah. So when we have 90 men at camp, we got and I just said 40, so you got 50 men that are trying to get into 13 spots. Right? When you have 50 men going into 13 spots, they're going to do whatever they can. They're going to try their hardest to make it onto the roster. So sometimes it may mean that they have to hustle a little bit harder on a play to show greater effort than the next man. Sometimes it may mean that they have to lay out just a little bit more to get their hand on this ball. Mm -hmm. But that's when you have me and you on the same team and we want the team to be successful. We want the team to be able to be in the best position possible, but we want to be on in the best position possible, right? When you bring in the dynamic now of another team, you bring somebody else, some other organization into our dynamic when I am trying to make the team. You know what that does? That then takes the other player on the other team that is trying to get a job just like me he is going to hustle the way i am hustling he is going to fight the same way i am fighting he is going to have the same mindset coming in that if i have to kill somebody to get on this team i am going to do it so you put two desperate men to face one another I am a backup defensive tackle going up against a backup offensive tackle. I am going to do whatever I can to get past this man. I am going to run him into the dirt and step on his head if necessary to get to the quarterback. Why? Because when they go and they check the tape, not just in game but at practice, they will show, they will see that I was hustling. I was playing my butt off every single snap so when i know and showing up the offensive lineman up opposite me and he doesn't like it he's going to get into my face and i can't come out of this thing looking like a sucker i have to defend my honor and the honor of my team so guess what we're gonna have to fight we're gonna have to scrap and when we start scrapping everybody fighting here dude because they don't it's not like hockey it's not like when we 
start fighting everybody to just go off to the side and watch and be banging the sticks on the ice. No, we all join in on behalf of everybody. So no, I I don't like it. I, I personally don't like these joint party sessions because it gives too much room for these kinds of things to happen. I, I feel like at the same time, it could be a, um, a measure of, of trying to see, like getting a gauge on the discipline of certain players then, essentially. Because like you mentioned your guy at, at the, the rookie at the Saints who was fighting three, three days in a row. Three days in a row. Three days in a row. I, I mean, I, if a coach is looking at that and in a joint session, you can't keep your cool three days in a row, well, it, it, it may say something about the type of character you are on the field. I mean, you could probably draw good and bad from that, but I'm, I'm not going out that rabbit hole. I'm just saying, I, I feel like there's so much that can be drawn from it um, that coaches can use, that GMs can use. If it was that this issue was only happening in joint sessions, like the fighting and whatnot, I understand. But I don't think this is going to curtail any any of that. So I, I, I have no problem with them continuing. And guys will fight. It, 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 it is always going to happen. It's always going to happen. So just need to, I mean, I just need to be mature. But, but at the end of the day, I, I can't blame them for, like, as you said, like you mentioned too, like you put all these men in the in the hot sun. <laughs> these men have been joint sessions during the summer, so obviously this is gonna be hot. You, you, you get a little, a little angry and then you know, man, it happens. I, I'm not against it. I, I I I like the edge that it brings. I like the grit. That's what this sport is about. So we got a comment from. Um... He saw Simpson, he said, rookies also get to shake out some bugs. I agree. They do get to shake out some bugs during these, these sessions. But one of the other thoughts that I had, and I didn't mention it in my, my opening soliloquy on this topic, mm. but coaches don't put in their best packages in these sessions. First off, these sessions are all open. So you have fans coming to watch this team practice against that team. So, I mean, we've already had Spygate. Um, we're not going to allow for another Spygate. Like, we're not going to put in our most exotic packages so that in the off chance, like, we talk about the, when I was talking about the specific fights that they had, I, took, mm -hmm. I mentioned that they had a fight between the New England Patriots and Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, we don't believe that neither of those two teams are going to make it to the Super Bowl, but let's just say for argument purposes, they actually did get there. And you put in this, you, you start doing this exotic package where Christian McCaffrey is laying up in his slot and he's putting some triple move on somebody and somebody got that on tape though because we're going to be watching how our defenders cope with this particular play and then you get you no know, in the Super Bowl and you run... The, the same package out there with Christian McCaffrey in the slot. They make him say, hey, wait a second. These men ran a triple a triple move in preseason. So chances are he might come back again. The coaches are not giving you their best stuff. They're going to just do enough stuff that they can make proper evaluations about the team. But once the joint practice sessions are done, then it, it goes right back to normal. They go back now to really installing their playbook. So, what's the benefit of this joint part of sessions again? Except like said, to see who's gonna fight. Judging character, not 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 football intellect character. So, okay. So when Mike, I am a offensive lineman, and a man hit my quarterback too hard in these preseason practices, I'm supposed to fight then. I'm supposed to come and defend my quarterback, right? But then you can tell me that I am supposed to fight. If I'm in a Patriots organization, they start to fight. You can send me off the field. I'm so, just, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying what, what the, the, the metric should be or how each coach would judge it or how each manager, um, GM would judge it or anything. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it could be used as a measure for that as well. I, I just think there's more good than bad. Nah, I think we should laugh it up. <laughs> that's, that's just me. I think we should laugh it out because I see an opportunity for more harm than good, but 
I'm not a decision maker, so we can we we will have to just agree to disagree, my friend. That's fair. So now, who do you trust is back for another season? And AJ, this is the preseason. So I mean we could look at individual players in their situations and stuff, but at this point in time, like I just said, everybody's telling lies. So it doesn't make sense we picking on players that might be on the bubble and might end up not even making the team. So today we're going to go through the teams in the NFC, the National Football Conference, and we're going to break out the crystal ball and we're going to predict who wins each division. All right. So first up is the NFC East or the NFC least. And as you are our resident expert by proximity, since you've lived in three of the four cities is the NFC <laughs> and now you're down in Jerry's world first question up does Dallas do it again I'm actually really concerned about Dallas and it's not a concern from the, from the perspective of a fan like I really don't care if they're bad but from from <laughs> In terms of analyzing from a football perspective, concerned because I think at this point their their wide receiving core is 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 a genuine concern. It, it's not just me; it should be a genuine concern. Um, because they have guys injured. Obviously, they lost Amari Cooper. Basically, it's 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 almost bone dry at this point. To the point where I mean, the suggestion is that they need to go out and get someone. There's that. There's like. The uncertainty of what Zeke will look like this season, because even more reports have been suggesting that Tony Pollard is like looks in prime position to to like kind of like to to basically up his workload this season. Maybe not necessarily be the number one ahead of Zeke, but but, but get a lot more uh, of of that share of the workload um, for this season. So, what will happen to Zeke? Um, and then the Dak and his, or lack thereof, wide receiving core, I am not very confident that they can. It, they seem like the default answer because the other teams have just been so lackluster. But Carson Wentz is in Washington. That's the man. Um, I, I actually feel like the Eagles could, could give Dallas a good run this season. I really feel so. And the addition of A.J. Brown to me is going to be one of the one of the better transactions that will play out in this season. I, 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 I mean, among other things, but that one specifically, I, the, way things stand, the way things stand right now, with Dallas's roster as it as it sounds right now, I don't see them winning the division. I, I think it'll be Philly. Okay, interesting. So when I look at, at this, right, what works in the Cowboys' favor is stability. The Giants have a new coaching staff and the commanders, as you may mention, they have a new quarterback. And then the Eagles, well, the Eagles, they do have A.J. Brown now, but they do have a quarterback that can hurt them. The margins are much tighter for the Cowboys compared to previous seasons, as they no longer have Amari Cooper. And C.D. Lamb now has to show that he can do it for a whole season as a number one receiver. Randy Gregory is also gone from that defense. So right now, if we rate the quarterbacks, we rank the quarterbacks in that division, they still, in my mind, have the best quarterback. So when you take all of that into consideration, the onus now is on all of the other teams to show that they have what it takes to overtake the Cowboys, more so than the Cowboys having to prove that they are able to maintain their status as the creme you can't say creme de la creme because there's no there's no de la creme in the NFC East. All right, so that was that was the least, and now 
we're going to talk about the kings of the north now AJ the north has been the playground of that bad man Aaron Rodgers for the last three years it's been his division for the last three years now a key loss for him is Devontae Adams who was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders there's a lot of uncertainty with regards to the Packers wide receiving core but is it enough to upset the apple cart and let some other team steal in and win the north i i would like to say yes and and operating if i were operating on the same um, wavelength of train of thought that i was with the nfc least i would i would I would probably say that you know what based on what's happened with the Packers I could see another team but the, the reality is I just can't find another team that I trust enough to win this division I think I think the Vikings might be better but do I think that Kirk Cousins is ultimately going to be the reason I, and 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 no, them know the Vikings know with the head coach do I think that they'll know be better than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers despite losing Devontae Adams nah I mean, the offense might take a hit, the Packers, that is. But it, by default, they're still the best team in the division, by far too. So I really, I, the next closest will be the Vikings. I mean, we all know that, but I still don't think the Vikings have enough at this point. This year, this year is supposed to be like a little transition for them, obviously, because new head coach and whatnot. But it feels kind of like a throwaway year until they get rid of Kirk Cousins. And this is, is, is quite possibly his last season until they, they like, can potentially draft someone next year or whatever the case is. But they did draft um they draft a, a quarterback, was it last season or something like that? Last draft or something or last year that is rather. Either way, the Vikings ain't ready yet. This is the Packers division still. Okay. Understood. So the question, do you trust Green Bay to win the NFC North again? Your short answer is yes. I trust them. Uh, Chicago was bad last year. But they should be better. They should be better this season in Justin Fields' second season in the league. But their wide receiver room, AJ, is atrocious. And I may be um, embellishing what Justin Fields said a little bit, but even he had things to say about their wideouts because he said that their wide receiver room was not as good as what he had to throw to in college. You saw that. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And we spoke about the Vikings. The Vikings have a brand new coaching staff, so we we honestly don't know what to expect from them. Um, We know that they do have some studs on offense. They have um Justin Jefferson who's going to be really really good again this season I I firmly believe that they they also have um what's his name the running back that can't stay fit um Montgomery no not Montgomery oh who you said sorry Minnesota oh Minnesota oh Dalvin Cook yes Dalvin Cook with his with his um old rubber band hamstrings so when we take those things into consideration, I I don't feel very confident looking at um, Minnesota. And then the Detroit Lions is still the Detroit Lions. Now, we know that Dan Campbell has continued to push the guys, and I would like to think that they'd be better in 2022 than they were in 2021. But they went 313-1 last season. There's definitely not enough happening in Green Bay to see the Lions go from the cellar to the penthouse. So at this point in time, yeah, I I kind of do trust the the Green Bay Packers to win the North again. Now we move from um, Winterfell up in the North, <laughs> and now we go we go down south. We go to the dirty south. Now, AJ, last season I bought my Saints to win this off. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a pick that was made with my heart and not with my head. Drew Brees had retired, and we couldn't predict what would have happened to my team. And you bought your guy Brady to win the division. The Buccaneers injured Jameis, 
and the Saints missed missed the playoffs. We still had a winning record, nine and eight, but we missed the playoffs. Sean Payton is now gone. Brady gave up football for length, but he's back. <laughs> but Bruce Arians is also gone. The Panthers, they have a new quarterback, and the Falcons also have a new quarterback, but we acknowledge that the Falcons are the poorest team in the division. So, who wins the South? Do you trust Tampa Bay to run away with the division again? I trust Tampa Bay to win it, not run away with it. I, I, I myself, along with, I guess, a lot of the football fraternity we all have concerns about this tampa bay offensive line with guys retiring and guys on season season ending injuries and whatnot however i trust that this organization will do everything that they need to in order to to protect tom brady because i mean it, it has to happen um we know what their aim is at the end of the season they're trying to go beyond just a division win so I expect them to rectify the situation, but I think there will be a little a little bit of a rough patch as they navigate through that. Ultimately, I mean, you kind of said it in your opening. There, there isn't much to say for the Panthers and Falcons, uh, as you said, going from the cellar to the ceiling. So the two of them out of it. It will only be the Saints as competition. Again, you. I, I know it, there's a, a bit of continuity in your case, in the Saints' case, because the head coach was a part of the coaching staff previously, the new head coach, that is. But I still have more faith in the Bucks to take the division, even if you win those two games against them, as you have, uh, as is customary. <laughs> I still have faith in the in the Bucks to win the division. I won't say it'll be a runaway. I don't think they clinch it like in week 13 or 14 or anything. It might come down to the last couple of weeks, two weeks or something like that. But I still think they win the division without necessarily running away with it. Okay, sir. So, again, there's no secret to where I'm going to go with this one. The Saints are rebounding in 2022. The Saints are going to the playoffs this season, and they're going to the playoffs as the champions of the NFC South. In the regular season, we have Brady's number. That 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 cannot be argued. In the regular season, yes, the only win that Brady has against the Saints in his entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers career is in the playoff game. Kudos to him. Those are the games that you want to win. Okay, fine. However, he also has been shut out by the Saints defense, which, for all intents and purposes, is looking like if it's going to be a monster again. Now, I'll pause on my Saints fandom a moment and just touch on the other two teams. The Atlanta Falcons right now are trending to be a top three pick in the next NFL draft. That's for sure. The team is bereft of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Marcus Mariota is their starting quarterback. They don't have a young quarterback that they are grooming to take over from him. They only have the tight end culprits and Cordell Patterson. There's nothing else on the Falcons. We talked about the Panthers already. We don't need to go back to the Panthers again. Christian McCaffrey, we know that every season they say that he's supposed to be really, really good. And then three games in, he's done for the majority of the season. So until he shows us that he can stay healthy, you can't put faith in him. So those two teams, one is probably going to be a top 10. The other is going to be a top 3 pick. So, it's back to my Saints. And these Tampa Bay Buccaneers that I absolutely can't stand. Now, we know that Kamara, he had his kiss going from the Pro Bowl where he allegedly beat up a man. Um, but we haven't heard anything about that. So, at this point in time, the belief is that Kamara is going to be playing for the majority of this season. Our wide receiver room was stripped down to the studs and completely rebuilt. And then we brought in the <clears throat> excuse me, we brought in the honey badger to help us out on defense. So our defense is steadily. 
No, while Sean Payton has retired, the rest of the coaching staff is still in place. And that continuity will do us well. Tampa Bay has had their issues, as you mentioned, of, with their offensive line between retirements and significant injuries. At this point in time, AJ, this is not the point to go after go shopping for offensive linemen. Because the good ones are under contract, and the ones that are maybe not so good are the ones that are on the bubble. And then you're hoping after these cuts are made on August 30 that somebody falls in your lap. So that's a bit of a risk. They also have questions at tight end because, you know, Gronk is no longer there. He may come back or he might not. Gronk is very noncommittal at this point in time of what he's doing this season. And they, yes, they brought in Julio Jones, but Julio Jones has not shown anything over the last three years to suggest that he will be a huge difference maker. The Saints reassert themselves as the kings of the South. That, that's just the way I see it. I, one thing I want to retort against that I don't think Julio Jones needs to be a major difference maker. He is going to be number three in this team. He doesn't need to be number one. He's a number three receiver in this team. And I, I, th- I, he will do a very good job of that, of being that. But he, even though he may be number three, he's going to be the starting receiver opposite, um, what's his name? Mike Evans. Because Chris Godwin is the slot guy, mainly. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, I'm, I'm talking about more so in, in terms of like target, target. Yeah, he's a, he's a new target in target chair. Yeah, he, he's a new boy on the block. Like Brady already already has his connection, and 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 if we're being honest, it seems that in the in the preseason thus far, he's developed a good rapport on on field with Julio. I mean, who wouldn't? We talk because we talking about the greatest, right? I I I I I think you you might be overplaying the the impact that Julio Jones is supposed to have. Uh, it, at this point, it seems understood that Julio is no longer what he was. He's not. He's not brought in to be even what the Titans wanted him to be last year. He is at this point just a, 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 an auxiliary player. Be that as it may, I still do not have faith that Tampa Bay is going to take this division again. I don't expect my retooled New Orleans Saints. I, I don't have. I don't expect it here. But there's no way in hell. I'm picking Jameis Winston to win a division over Tom Brady, though. I ain't doing it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I know we have one more division in the NFC to cover, and that is the NFC West. The wild, wild west. The home of the champs and arguably the strongest division in the entire NFC. Now, last season, they sent three teams to the playoffs. Two of them to the NFC title game and one won the Lombardi. So, how does it play out? Do you trust anybody to dethrone the champs in their own division? Uh, so, the only way I see that happening is if this injury that is being spoken about with regards to Matt Stafford, because what we've heard so far is that it, 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 it's actually a significant injury. So, if he is carrying this injury, going into the season and it is that significant yeah it, it could very well mean that that either the well obviously not the seahawks um but either the, either the niners or or the Cardinals pit them for the division title if matt stafford is fit the rams are winning the nfc once again the entire nfc I, 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 but, and, and this is me saying so against uh, the, the fact, I mean, with the fact that I just t- spoke about Tom Brady winning a division. I honestly feel that the Rams are still the team to be in the entire NFC if Matt Stafford is as fit as last season. The addition of Allen Robinson is huge. My, mark my words, he's going to have a bounce back here. He's he going to be a sleeper in fantasy too, eh? but we'll, we'll get to that later on. It is true. So, for me, when I look at this division, I'm not I'm not as bullish as you are to put the the Rams, even with a fit Matthew Stafford, all the way into the NFC. Sorry, all the way into the Super Bowl. That to me is quite a stretch, because yes, they have brought back a lot of key players. You didn't mention that they did bring in Allen Robinson, but they still have Aaron Donald. They still have Cooper Cup. 
they have they got a lot of pieces. Odell Beckham Jr. not being there, Adam Robinson makes up for his absence. And Robinson has shown himself to be very what's the word I'm looking for? Sturdy? He he he's shown himself to be very reliable because you know they say the greatest ability is availability. And that man don't seem to get hurt. Mm-hmm. As you said, a bum spot year is on the cards for him. It can't be hurt because last season in Chicago, absolutely nothing happened for him at all. So no, he has an opportunity to to reassert himself in the conversation as one of the best receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. But you see those San Francisco 49ers? The 49ers are about to roll out their shiny new toy in Trey Lance, who had a bit of a redshirt year last year. Now, the issues that they had where Jimmy Garoppolo is concerned, not being able to throw the ball very far down the field, not having a big arm so you're not able to like, fit it into tight windows, those are things that Trey Lance is not supposed to have a problem with. And he's also mobile compared to Garoppolo. So this now gives them a new dimension at the quarterback position that they didn't have before. And you know that they like to run the football. So Trey Lance, if he is competent, because he doesn't necessarily have to be a world beater. But once he's competent, the 49ers are actually going to be a very dangerous team coming into this season. Now, where the Cardinals are concerned, the Cardinals, they paid Kyle Murray a whole lot of money and they brought in a piece of Marquise Hollywood Brown for him. But they always have their question marks at the quarterback position because it is still Kyle Murray, who is five foot a little bit, playing a game where he has laymen that are much taller than him. Mm-hmm. So you still have to feel some measure of concern when you know the chips are down when things start getting a little tighter do they start hot and do they fall off again we don't know for sure seahawks are not in the conversation at all so we i i'm not going to waste precious seconds talking about the seahawks i believe that the division comes down between the 49ers and the rams this injury that you may mention of with matthew stafford tips the favor tips the scales in favor of the 49ers. And the 49ers, as I just mentioned, they have the bones there right now of a championship team. They still have a very good defense. Their offense can only get better. Debo Samuel is not worried about a contract anymore. They still have Brian Ayuk, and it is plug and play at running back for them. So I'm not saying that they win the division i'm just excited to see what happens once the football gets started in that nfc west oh well, i'm saying i'm saying if <laughs> granted granted my, I, I did start off by saying this is all predicated on the seriousness of matt stafford's injury mm-hmm. if if I, I think if the injury is as serious as reported and and he is unable to like play or even be at a certain level to be able to play like you know like at, at, at an above average level as 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 long as he's not fully fit i think it will hamper him if matt stafford can get back to what he was last year i have no doubt that this rams team is going to win this division and is going to be the team to beat you mentioned it already as well i don't think that they've lost that many pieces that were significant and it seems like they've added more that that um can be crucial to, to this season, right? I, I, I agree with your point about the 49ers, but I, the Rams just have that continuity to me. I, it's, it's, if, bro, if, my son, I, I only, look, this is my, my, this is my guy, no, never mind from the area where I now currently work, but still, Matt is, I think he's criminally underrated at times. This man literally holds, he is the quarterback who, who, Holds the record for being um, having the top two um, seasons of receiving yards for the four, as an in individual receiving yards. Because it's is is why is the name eluding me? No, that he had at the Lions, no Megatron, mm-hmm. Megatron at Cooper, and Cooper, the record that Cooper Cup just broke. Matt Stafford is 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 the common denominator here. Two best um, receiving seasons: Cooper Cup and Megatron. Matt Stafford. All right. This man just needs to be fit. 
he has yeah. weapon. And the defense, we know what the defense is. Uh, again, if, if, if he's fit, book it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of Who Do You Trust? And now this week, we are going to end with Final Thought. And this week's final thought, I'm told, is not mine. It's called Hot Tit Headlines. So over to you, Mr. AJ. Wait, firstly, can, let me see if this if I could get because this echo is driving me crack. I can't be hearing myself. Mute for a sec. Let me see if I can still hear it. All right. Yeah, and I still can. Anyway. Whatever. So since it's our first day back, what I wanted to do is start the season on a little bit of a lighthearted note. Um, I have enough time in this upcoming season to complain about the state of my past. Uh, but as of today, I just want to kick off this 2022 season with some hot take headlines. So here we go. Number one, firstly, Sayonara Sam. Listen, Sam Donald's days are off. And no, I'm not talking about his days as a quarterback because he will be on some roster in the future. He's far from the worst signal call that was even taken in the 2018 draft in that first round. And the other guy, he's still in the league and now on his fifth active roster. Josh Hamilton. <laughs> Indubitably, Sam will have another chance, right? But as of now, what I was referring to is his days as a starting QB. They're done. They're absolutely done. Like, we suspected it before, but at this... The announcement of Baker as the starting quarterback for for this um, upcoming season for the Panthers, that put the nail in the coffin. Carolina was supposed to be a rejuvenation and like a little bit of a rebirth for him being Sam Donald. It was a chance to prove that he could live up to the expectations of being that number three overall pick, but instead he's being replaced by the one quarterback that was drafted ahead of him. Other EQBs at this point in the league, Ken, at this point in time in the league, they've drafted them already. And there's even more QBs about to enter this free. Like more of these guys coming out of college out of the woodwork. Sam's days are done. And it's very possible that we could see Sam start some games later on in this season. But the reality is he's already showed us in the space of time that he's been in this league. Who he really is on that field. And that dude who he is on that field is not good enough to be a starter in the NFL. So from saying goodbye to saying hello, and you also you mentioned this guy a little earlier, and he's one of my guys. So let me let me say konnichiwa to Kyle. Listen, Kyle Pitts, I feel like flew under some people's radar last season. Matt Ryan was not at his best last season, and hell, the Falcons haven't been at their best since you know 28-3. But I digress. <laughs> The 2021 season was the first time since actually since 2010 where Matt Ryan threw for less than 4,000 yards. Right. He actually fell just short with like um, 3,968. And you know who had like a quarter of that yardage all by himself? Cal Pitts. He almost, almost doubled the next best receiving yardage in that team in his rookie season. And that was next best was Carter Patterson, FYI. Now, we know that the suspension of Calvin Ridley that definitely contributed to the match dipping in numbers because he would have most likely passed that 4,000 had really been in the team. But the fact is that he had that number one, number four, sorry, overall pick, picking up all kinds of slack as a rookie. No. Ken, Kyle Pitts broke, Kyle Pitts broke Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez's Falcons franchise record for the most receiving yards by a tight end. He also joined another Hall of Famer, Mike Ditka, as the only rookie tight end with, own, with over a thousand yards. And, and, must make note of the fact that the man had six drops last season, which, comparatively speaking, is less than Cooper Cup and Travis Kelsey each had last season. You know, Listen, I don't think y'all are hearing me. Cal Pitts is here, you know, and and I understand there's no more Matt Ryan. But this man has already, it seems, in preseason, developed a very good relationship with Marcus Mariota. And we're talking about Marcus Mariota, yes, I know. But Kyle Pitts is, is going to be very good. He's very good, sorry. He's going to be great. And he's going to ball out this season. And in the interest of time, I'll just leave, with this, leave you with this succinct little tidbit, right? You spoke more in-depth about the NFC North when you were, you know, going through who you think would win. 
I will say this. The Detroit Lions will not be the doormat of the NFC North this season. I am, I, I am almost positive that that mantle will, in 2022, be taken up by the Chicago Bears. Okay, then. Well, that is, a, that is definitely a hot spot to end this week's episode of the Green Bears podcast. Now, as you can see in the ticker that's running below us, we are going to be back tomorrow with the fantasy spot. So it's time that you start trying to figure out who you're going to pick because it is fantasy season. It is draft season. And this is where a lot of leagues are won and lost <laughs> in the draft. So we'll be getting you ready for that tomorrow. We are going to be right back here at the same time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, please like, subscribe, and we will definitely be back then. Of course, those who follow us on our audio-only platforms, this, well, you missed us live, and this will be put up as soon as we are finished so that you can listen to us at your leisure. So, as always, that is AJ, he is the green, I am Ken, I am the Beige, and we will see you next time.